ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast, the video podcast, the new video podcast format that we're we're trying out on. At least if you're listening on Spotify, if you're not, then you're just looking at you opened up your phone randomly again to see if there's a video on it there's no video but only on spotify um i'm of course joined again by rian hello rian um we are here to talk about this thing called the champions league final a game that probably was one of my most highly anticipated matches of the year a game that rian and i got to watch together again and at the same time was very lackluster for the first 30 20 to 30 minutes and then uh kind of popped off after that so i'm excited to talk about it i've i've got stats i've got everything rion can't even tell me shit about how i haven't looked at xg because i've looked at xg <laughs> too much over the last like i don't know four days so <laughs> here we are what's up rion <laughs> uh i'm doing good i'm doing good man um yeah, doing good. It was. Uh, I think we talked talked about Memorial Day weekend last last weekend. Or how I think it's kind of a weird one. Um, but outside of, I mean, even with how weird it is, I think uh, it was a great weekend. It was great. The weather was great, I should say. Uh, at least like we got lucky on Saturday when we watched the game. We watched it. Um, we were watching out back in, in in the backyard here, and we got lucky because it was supposed to rain more than it did i think we had a couple like drizzles during the game yeah but if i remember correctly like the day before i want to say like friday was really hot too so honestly the weather on saturday was great we actually got to watch a game outside probably for the first time since last summer i want to say so i think so yeah yeah overall overall doing pretty pretty good (laughs) Is that a little Larry David? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was that intentional or not? Yeah, did not mean did not mean to do that. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Um, but yeah, no, Champions League final was great. I I think I, you know this, but I had a friend of mine uh, from work that texted me the day of the final. Um, she's in Paris, and she's like, "Hey, I actually managed to get tickets to the Champions League final," and I was like, "That can't be real." Um, but funny enough, a friend of hers won the raffle like when they do the raffle for the the champions league oh. final tickets and last minute couldn't go so her ticket to a champions league final was only 70 euros <laughs> which wow. is outrageous wow. for same day so i mean that's one of about a thousand absolutely outrageous things that happened that day for better or for worse um and we're gonna yeah. talk about we're gonna talk about all oh, good for Good now, good good for her. Um, thankfully, she w- it was not like a, a Liverpool fan ticket. Where I mean, now as we're seeing, for for those of you who don't know, like the although if you're listening to this, you definitely do know why the game was delayed. <laughs> like the game was delayed. What was that? Like almost forty minutes. I think it was thirty six minutes. minutes. Thirty six right? minutes. Yeah, yep. yeah. Because um, well, the there's a difference the, the real reason and then the reason that UEFA and the French government were telling everyone are kind of different um whereas a, a lot of Liverpool fans did not get into the game on time at least sitting standing um outside of the stadium in their section that they were supposed to come in through for hours and at the same time some people are getting tear gas including children um and a lot of people being told their tickets are fake <laughs> including like andrew robertson's like friend who yeah. got his tickets directly from andrew robertson so <laughs> the whole thing just a mess an absolute mess and i think uefa or, or the or, I, i'm conflating uefa and the french government but um they said that there was something like 30 to forty thousand fake tickets I saw a uh, New York Times article earlier where they they figured out there's only like two thousand. So <laughs> two thousand. That's actually that's actually news yeah. to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and they were just lying, and the story was changing <laughs> the entire time. I mean, a mess, a real a real mess, and you know, this is now 
uh, between this and the Euros last summer, it's it's very worrying. And we've talked about this a few times this season. Very worrying what's been happening at stadiums here. And um, like that could have on Saturday could have been really, really bad because you saw the scenes of the people outside and they were kind of all being bunched together in, in a very small area to actually walk through into the stadium. And I mean, Liverpool fans would know this better than anyone else. I mean, that, 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 and that's, that's, I think like, yeah, that's, that's the historical context for all of this is like, this isn't the first time something as it relates to, I guess let's call it police management um, Mm -hmm. has, has happened with Liverpool fans, obviously trigger warning for anybody, but Hillsborough was not that long ago. Um, Yeah. So only it, talking about 30 years no less yeah, than 30 years less less, now, 90, less i think that. it was yeah so yeah it, it's scary it's scary and it was not here's the thing that it was also even more embarrassing we're talking obviously all the pregame stuff like it was it was sadder to me that french officials their i believe um ministry of the interior um came out and basically said oh like all these liverpool fans showed up when they didn't have tickets and fans showed up late and things like that and in reality maybe that might have been case for like the case for some people like you said like there were some fake tickets and things like that but like the majority overwhelming majority of the problems caused were caused by the organization the operation of actually letting fans in um and that was there was some scary scenes and obviously why it was delayed um and even more so on the way out of the Stade de France where People were being there were reports of muggings and yeah. you know things like things like that that just are not not very um, pleasant things to see or, or even think about. That it literally, I think it I think it was right after the game. Like Thibaut Courtois tweeted, like I hope all Liverpool fans like got home okay, which is just like it it's just kind of weird, not weird, but it's just kind of wild to me that someone who literally just won the Champions League final had to go and tweet that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and again, that's what we're talking about. This is a Champions League final. This is this is, you know, it's it's about as close as European um, sports gets to the Super Bowl, right? And just imagining if that was, you know, if that happened before before Super Bowl here, I mean, it'd be impossible. I mean, it is it is impossible. There's way more security and way more safeguards in any Super Bowl, um, and and it's just absurd to me to, that the crowd that the management of the event was so so poor it's it's ridiculous it's i mean i understand that that this was moved to paris because remember this game was going to be in russia right uh, it, it was it russia or kiev I, I think it was russia though um it, it was russia yeah yeah this game was going to be in russia it had to be obviously moved because of the war um but <laughs> It just is not an excuse for what happened. It, it, this is still pretty basic. You you would hope that the people that are working on the um, on the event, I don't know, would have shown any sort of competence. <laughs> like and, they, and look, we're not saying there was no problem. It sounds like for Real Madrid fans, it was purely just the side of the stadium that the Liverpool fans were going in on was where all this um, the issues were occurring. So. Who knows what's going to come out of any of this? Do do we really expect of all bodies, all governing bodies, UEFA to deal with this appropriately? Probably not. What is the French government? I I didn't know we were in the business. (laughs) No, literally, that's that. Right. I I didn't know we were in the business of asking dumb questions at this point. But yeah, no. So no. To answer your question, um, of course, nothing will be done about it. And like that, in and of itself, is a really sad statement. Like I don't want to underestimate that. That is a very sad statement. That probably nothing will change from UEFA after this, or no repercussions, or the appropriate repercussions. Let me add, um, will will be taken until. I hate to say this, like, and I really don't want this to like preeminate anything yeah but until something tragic happens like that's what it feels like we're we're building towards um just sad enough but that was obviously the the multiple sad and and concerning parts of the champions league finals everything before and after it um but i want to talk really quickly before you even get into the game i want to shift focus to liverpool for a second um because there were some interesting 
Start with Liverpool? I want to start because it has it, it relates to the pregame. It has nothing to do with the game. Mm. Something that was really interesting to me in the warm-ups while you know the delay was going on and things like that is how Liverpool basically treated, approached, um, and put out their starting lineup with Tiago versus Keita. And in I think just for context too, the way I understand things, and if you're a Liverpool fan, feel free to correct me, but the way that the Liverpool warm up, whether it's home away, et cetera, is they send their goalkeepers out, they send the starting 11 out, and then they send out their reserves to warm up or their bench players to warm up while they're also, uh, the, the starters are warming up. In the warm up to what we thought was going to be a nine o'clock local kickoff time, Tiago was warming up with the starters and that's what we saw. And we saw a lot of conversation between Klopp, between him and between Keita at some point in that warmup, Tiago leaves the group of starters and goes to the, the bench players and that warmup and Keita goes to the starting 11 uh, warmup. Then the game gets delayed. Everyone's in the locker room for 30 plus minutes. And then they come out to warm up again and Tiago is now in the warm up with the starters again. So like there was this cat and mouse game. There was so much that happened pre-game. The issues with security, but also from a footballing perspective, like this, this was also really interesting to me. Like he just basically needed what 30 minutes to uh, rubbing out the, that's not the phrase I want to use <laughs> but, <laughs> of, of massaging, um, I guess his hamstrings and glutes like to, to start i i don't know what do i know yeah i mean in all honesty you kind of watch how he played he played like someone who was carrying an injury honestly i honestly like it it, i don't know how much it actually helped realistically (laughs) i I think maybe those 30 minutes were just him like mentally getting prepared to or trying to figure out whether he's going to try to play through the pain or not um and yeah, we we I don't think we expected him to play the full ninety anyway. So it, it kind of went as about as about as well as we would have expected from right. him with the with the bum leg. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was just it about the the pregame stuff. But Rian, where do you want to start as it relates to the actual game? The actual game, I think you know we, I think we start off with the champions themselves. So, a one nil win for um for Real Madrid ending what is like one of the most impressive runs to a in terms of the teams that they've gotten past and, and teams they've played and beaten um running to the final and then winning the final itself. Um I, between Karen Benzema, between um Luka Modric between Onze David Alaba, um, Vinicius, of course. At the end of the day, the man who ends up being the deciding factor in the final um, is the guy who I've said I think has been their has been their MVP during this run. Um, possibly more than Karen Benzema himself. That's Thibaut Courtois, who came up with just two, I mean, two in particular unbelievable saves during this game. But I think even outside of um, the saves themselves, I think the, there were like at least a few times too where he, especially the second half, where he just grabbed the ball out of the, out of the air on a corner or a cross or something. And it's like right about to go into one of Liverpool players' heads or it's like in an area where you wouldn't expect every keeper to go into to, to grab a ball, but Thibaut Courtois does because he's that confident in his ability to go and get the ball. And, you know, how could he not be? He's like six, eight. So it, it's um, it was it was really magical to watch. I don't remember. can't remember the last time I've seen a, a keeper in a Champions League game, specifically Champions League final, be such a deciding factor. I, I'm going to play some devil's advocate here. Um, 
not about Thibaut Courtois not having incredible Champions League final performance like that. I'd be stupid to say he didn't. There were a lot of people <clears throat> that basically said like, this is one of the best performances from a goalkeeper I've seen all season, except this wasn't even, in my opinion, Thibaut Courtois' best performance of the entire season. Like I, I thought he had a wonderful, wonderful game, but I think the fact that he looked that good against some very high, as you would like to say, XG chances, um, that that to me just shows the levels that he's been at this season consistently, consistently. I mean, one of the most interesting things about kind of the comparison between Courtois and let's say Allison, right, in the Champions League is that. Courtois has made 57 saves this entire Champions League campaign, and that's 43 more than Allison. Right, the closest to him is I think it's really really at um at six maybe 16 something like that. Um, long story short, like Courtois has absolutely dominated in terms of saves, in terms of shots saved, blocked, etc. Now you could you could say, oh, have Real Madrid defensively been that poor? They haven't been amazing throughout the entire campaign. Like there's a reason why they conceded against City. They conceded against PSG uh, at home as well. Um, they conceded against Chelsea at home how many times? Right, like they did concede goals, but the reason they have gotten to this point is absolutely because of Thibaut Courtois. So you're right, you're right, and he's consistently performed throughout the entire Champions League campaign. To the point where I think he had eight saves against PSG, including the messy penalty miss, um, the incredible saves in Mbappe at home, the the one big save, as you'll remember, against Havertz, right, against Chelsea at home. Um, and then you could talk about that save with literally like his one cleat <laughs> against Jack Grealish um, in the 88th minute or something like that against City at home. So like game after game after game, he has consistently showed up. Yeah, I mean, especially in, you're talking about these last their last two games in the Champions League, right? Um, second leg against City. That was the first game in the Champions League where Benzema looked fairly normal. <laughs> I think City handled him very well, and then I think Liverpool also handled him very well during during the final itself, um, and so. Courtois had to be the guy in, in both of those games. Um, and granted, not, not just him. Obviously, there were great performances from um, Vinicius, great performances from uh, Modric. Uh, I mean, I thought Valverde was good on the day in the final. Um, his shot slash cross aside. Um, I think the difference, honestly, what it felt like for Real Madrid when trying to like rationalize what happened in this in this run is that they kind of never had a game where all of Courtois, Benzema, Modric were not at a world-class level like on every single game at least one of them sometimes both sometimes two other times all three were at played at a world-class level had a world-class performance and when you're talking about kind of like the spine of your team, like those were the, those were the most decisive um, positions for them throughout this whole run midfield uh, striker and, and goalkeeper. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually interesting to think about how in the final itself, I kind of felt like all three would need to be at a world-class level in order to beat Liverpool. I wouldn't say all three were, I would say Courtois was, and that's about it. I will challenge you though. And saying that Benzema was well contained by Liverpool. I think that's a bit of a misnomer. Only reason is that he is a big part of A, the disallowed goal, obviously, um, and B, the actual goal. And C, I don't think his role in this game was actually to be a point man, interestingly enough. We saw him drop into a lot of different spaces, well, much, I mean, much deeper than a normal striker and particularly he has seen himself in throughout the season to me that really signified basically his complete well-roundedness as a player 
I thought, for example, in the disallowed goal, he was the reason why it happened. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. On the actual goal itself, what was really interesting to me is that he ran in behind, uh, I believe it was Kanate, right? He took Kanate out of the way on the, we'll call it a shot from Valverde, because I kind of agree with you, it was a shot. Um, but he ran basically directly behind Kanate, taking Kanate out of the play, leaving Virgil van Dijk in a position where he was literally like ass out trying to defend some combination of Vinicius and Valverde because Trent was a little too far off Vinicius. And it's, it's moments like that where I really appreciate how well-rounded Kareem Benzema is as a player and even more so as, as a striker um, because those sort of smart well-timed runs and, and movements and position positional play, like that is, I think a big part of why they also won this game. Yeah, and then you're just like thinking about I think we've I don't know if we've talked about this fully before, but um Benzema. I, I felt like in that in this game in particular, you know, he kind of had to drop deeper, right? Because the, I think the possession stats were pretty even, but um just for Madrid to get out, they needed him to drop deeper, right? Against Liverpool's press to be able to at least play over the the first line uh, of the press. Um, but just thinking about him and like an, on, on a grander scale, right. For this team and what he's done in these last couple seasons, I don't think they fully bridged it. They, they've, they have fully moved into the next generation yet, but he is literally bridging two different eras of Real Madrid right now. He is the constant, but at the same time, he's had to become, he has had to become more of a leader, also more of a contributor to every part of the attack um, with Ronaldo's departure. He's had to become that much more important for, uh, for Real Madrid. And they thought the new era would have started with Kylian Mbappe, I think, or Holland, either one of those two. Um, it looks like that's going to be extended a little more. <laughs> hey, who knows? Who knows? By what? at least three years, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> by, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, at least three years. You're totally right. Um, but in, in any case, like his, for lack of a better term, cultural, cultural importance for this, for Real Madrid in these last like five years, especially, uh, he he's now won a Champions League title where he was the, I mean, arguable like whether he was the best all around like technical player because Luka Modric will obviously have something to say about that, but but where he was the main guy, he's now got one, and I think that's really important for. Yeah, I don't care about this stuff as much, but but legacy type of thing when we talk about Karen Benzo, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk more about these five years than any of his seasons playing with Ronaldo or even, even any of those three seasons where they won the champions league three years yeah. in a row. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, I think it's, it's, I think it's great that he's going to get that due as well too, because this player was always there. He had to become more because of Ronaldo's departure and he's fully stepped up to the plate. So. I think that's so I think I think we're both in agreement. Ballon d'Or, right? Like I, I don't. He's got to be the favorite, right? He's, yeah. He, he he just has to not just has to not fall off a cliff next season. Ba- and, I mean, basically now because it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a is it a calendar year this year? Well, yeah. I mean, it'll it'll. Oh, oh, I know what you mean. I get what you're saying. Did I forget? Um, I know they're shifting it. Or France football's shifting yeah. it, but I forget if it's this year or next. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember either. We'll have to. We'll have to look into that. Well, but, either way, Ballon d'Or favorite. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to be the favorite right now. Yeah. Well, Rihanna, I want to shift focus to kind of oh, wait, talk wait. about. Do you want to, I know you want to, to bring up one more part of Real Madrid, the coach. Oh my God. Yes. I, I forget. <laughs> oh, um, of course. Zidane winning. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti. In attendance though. Yeah. In attendance. Um, Carlo Ancelotti winning his fourth Champions League as a manager. Most of all managers ever sixth overall. If you count, um, I believe the two that he won as a player 
two questions about Ancelotti now. A, does his does this make him one of the best managers in history? And B, two. This is two for those that have video. <laughs> I'm holding up two, but um. Does he stay at Real Madrid next season? <laughs> That's honestly like my biggest question right now. It, well, to answer your first one, like yes. I mean, I, I I personally don't think he needed this Champions League title to be put in that conversation anyway. Um, but if you're talking talking about like some of the best coaches of all time, and and he's he's got to be up there. I mean, at least like with his contemporaries, right? And that would you'd kind of have to throw him into the same coaching era as, I mean, I think he would fall into the same era more or less as, um, as Wenger. Right. And, and yeah. Sir Alex and, um, I think, and Mourinho, of course, like, you know, he's, he's right up there with all of them right now. Granny, he, I, th- I think the f- funniest thing about him and, and not funny in a like laugh at him way, but funny in a bizarre way is that he coaches like a national team manager. I've always, I've always thought, thought about him like this. And, and, and this Real Madrid team specifically this season has felt so much, especially in, in the, um, in the champions league. I think, I think in La Liga, they were simply just more consistent. The only like remotely consistent team in the league this season. Um, and that's why they end up winning the league. But this team felt like so much like a national team in the knockout stages where you're just relying on like four players pretty yeah. much in any given game. <laughs> and uh, and those are the guys who in every single game made the important contribution for you to win. Uh, it's it's really interesting. I, I, I find him a really interesting manager because he's had such a such a different style of career to any of the modern coaches right now any of the best the the, the top modern coaches I would say right now all of them right now would prefer to stay in a single place for at least four seasons or something like that so they can fully build a squad and and um and kind of make a club their own whereas Carl Ancelotti doesn't really care about that uh, like at a halt, it seems like he's he has bopped around all of the five leagues. Like that's sort of the interesting part. The interesting thing of him winning all all five top leagues titles. I can't remember the um, part I was listening to, but someone said I was like, realistically, what other coach would even want to do that? What other yeah, top coach yeah. right now would even want to, to be jumping teams that much? Right. Like that, that's just less time to actually implement a system and, and like get players to play the way you want to play. Whereas Carlo, again, as, as any great national team manager would do, just puts the right players in the right positions and then just kind of lets them play and, and figure it out um, in a lot of cases. And it works because again, like I said, he puts them in the right positions and puts them in the right situations to, to succeed. So I I don't know if he'll ever do it. Um, and if he were to leave Real Madrid this season, I I can't see him going to any other, I think, I feel like his only move now in his career, especially at his age is to become a national team manager, which I I literally just popped into my head. Yeah. Right. Just popped into my head because we talked about it after they didn't qualify for the um for the world cup but this would kind of feel like a great transition from mancini to go and potential and become a club coach again at sometime in the next year or so and carlo angelotti to go to the national italian national team <laughs> meaning he is italian so i feel like yeah i that that would be my dream that's what i would hope would happen and and i feel like if there is any national I actually think he would coach any national team now I think about it. He, I don't think he cares that much. If he's, it's really funny because it's, he it's basically has, has coached Real Madrid like a national team yeah, for the, the entirety of the season. Um, yeah. you're, you're so right. I didn't even think about that analogy. But yeah, we have to give him his flowers, of course. Um, yeah, the guy just, he's always the coolest head in the room. 
and uh i i think that a lot of at least experienced players probably really appreciate his calmness um, yeah especially especially those especially those guys at madrid where it's just it's supremely talented players and uh he really just let them he really lets them express themselves in every part of the pitch and doesn't really try to force players into a certain system or whatnot so it's it's something that not a lot, not a lot of the top managers do so it, it is it's an art form for sure to be to play like this and not have like a set system every game or something like that so. yeah yeah he really does go out and just kind of vibe like a lot which he's like yeah you guys are my 11 i'm not really changing much and uh good luck with things i'm gonna watch on this like he's a fan like with he, all is, he, he used a 19 year old center midfielder as the super sub the entire <laughs> tournament like, like who thinks of that who and it works and it worked of course and it worked while all of us well i guess specifically me were saying <laughs> why the hell is tony cruz still starting these games if he's if he's just going to be coming off in the 60th minute um it's funny enough in this game it was modric that came off before him which yeah. i have no clue honestly no clue why <laughs> that was the switch this time but it matters <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, can I shift focus now? Is that all right? Oh, yes. Okay. Well, I want to shift focus to to Liverpool, too. Talk about the Liverpool performance overall. I think it's fair to say, if you just look at... Well, it's not fair to say. It's just data will show you alone. In the first 30 minutes of this game, Liverpool dominated and had 60-plus possession, were clearly the, the stronger side. They had, I believe, three very clear chances that could have become goals um and as i'm forgetting now who uh who wrote the article that i sent you yesterday um about the just well, kind of john, recap i think it was john it was muller john, john muller okay well the john muller's article yesterday in the athletic which was beautiful by the way if you haven't read it go read it uh basically pointed out an, ex- an alternative universe liverpool won five one uh, in this game based on some of these chances that if you take the reality of XG being greater than 0.5, then that's a goal because you are more likely to score than not, which Liverpool had those chances. Uh, they clearly obviously scored uh, sarcasm, but um, to that point, Rian, like after those 35 minutes or 30, 35 minutes, basically through the 65th, 70th minute, Real Madrid completely switched sides. Um, I think they had about 60, plus percent possession in that time frame, at least game time specifically. And then Liverpool, the last 15, 20 minutes really stepped up to, to try and, and get a goal back. Um, and obviously we're not able to. The one interesting thing throughout all of this for me is that over the course of the entire game, it felt like Liverpool really did have more of the ball just over the course of the literally the entire 90 minutes. But they only had the ball about a minute and a half more than Real Madrid across the entire game. Like it was pretty even by the end of the day or by the end of the game um and we can talk a little bit about kind of the other portions but what do you think about liverpool throughout kind of the the course of the game yeah i think i'm kind of in line with you where that first half hour or so i mean i I wouldn't say it felt like they were gonna run away with the game not not at all but they were finding same space every time the line the lines slash space between Real Madrid's midfield and their back line was so large in that, especially in the first half hour, the amount of times that Liverpool just kept being able to break the, the midfield line and find um, either Mane, Salah, or uh, Diaz right in front of the back line and have them like run at the back line was really concerning and i think one of the people we were people we were watching the game with uh who's the real madrid fan he even he kept noting he's like so much space he kept saying it every time the pass was went in um and i think what was probably disappointing from those first that first half hour is just i feel like i don't i'm not sure what other people's opinions on on mane's game was but i felt like he was the only guy in in those first half hour that that his touches were very very clean and he was able to find some separation Salah, i think found it really really tough and to be fair to him 
every time he picked the ball up. He was double covered. Madrid <laughs> sent two men at him every yeah. single time. Right? Like it felt like the only time the only time he really was able to be one-on-one with the defender was in the second half when Courtois pulled out that unbelievable save um, to keep it from, from and even that feels like you're being double covered to that point. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) of course that, that that wasn't even an easy shot either. He's still like, he's not like right in front of the goal. Right. So uh, I, I think Diaz was probably the most disappointing of the three. It just didn't feel like he was extremely involved in that first half, or at least involved in um, really dangerous areas. But I think just overall, their um, the attack was just very like not not clean, not really clean. Like they, they I thought they. You even noticed it when we were watching the game. Um, you were saying they wouldn't have that many like good shots specifically. Like, yeah, and I was saying that they did. They were finding it really easy to get to the final third and to get to the penalty box, but then to actually execute in that area they really only did it a few times and then the few times that they did outside of the outside of the, the god like save that um courtois made on Mane in those first 20 minutes um a lot of their shots were right at courtois like yep. right at him they so that's actually a conversation I, I wanted to expand on it, you you basically you stole the words out of my mouth like a lot of these shots were directly at courtois I want to have a larger conversation about Liverpool in these finals, especially the season, because they have scored a grand total of zero goals across essentially let's, let's call them like four finals. Right. Um, do you, I guess my question is like, do you think that's inherently a problem because to not score, I believe memory surgeon, right. To not score essentially in these many finals. And I'm not counting penalties for obvious reasons. because It's not open play. But do you think that's a problem is my first question. Secondly, I guess, are we having a different conversation if they lose, let's say, the FA Cup final, but win the Champions League final on penalties? Like, do you like, (laughs) is that a different conversation just because of the stature of the competition? Uh, Well, if if they win the Champions League, if if those games both end nil-nil and then they go to penalties... You're right. This conversation isn't really being had, although the facts would remain the same. They still did not score in those games. Correct. Um, I, I think the look the League Cup final. I I don't think that was an issue. I don't think that their attack was an issue in that game at all. We talked about it. Both teams probably should have scored between uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. They both probably should have scored like three <laughs> times in that game. Um, and just didn't for what for one reason or another. I think in FA Cup final, um, you're right. They they weren't that threatening, and it felt the same kind of the same way with this uh, match against Real Madrid, where they, as, in the same way as they did against Chelsea, they found space. They they got to the final third, and then it just kind of all fizzled out, right? And like I. I Full disclosure for other for people out there listening, I had money on Liverpool to win the Champions League title. I had, Full I, disclosure: I put, this I man put, had money and a bet with me, which he lost. So let, yes, let's make yes, that very yes. clear. Yeah, um, I put money on them back in February to win the Champions League title. So this has been riding for a long time. <laughs> um, but in the in the game itself, I think I was getting frustrated, especially in the second half when they're when they're chasing a goal. Um, I was getting frustrated the amount of times that it just felt like they kept huffing and puffing at Madrid's defense. And I think Madrid defended their box really, really well. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, that's kind of what that when you're talking about defending, that is the ultimate thing that matters is how well you defend your actual penalty box. And I thought that Madrid defended it extremely well. Um, but there was there were just so many times that I felt like if we swap Liverpool and Manchester City, if Manchester City was in this game, and granted they they did have the situation against Real Madrid and still and didn't find a way to close it out, but if they were if they were in the position that Liverpool was in, where they were chasing the game for that whole second half, we know what it would have looked like. It would have been wave after wave 
of the ball being in the same place in the same like final third area for like 20 minutes yeah. there obviously would have been some counterattacks against them but you know that as soon as they got the ball back they would have held it and just kept the pressure in that in that area of the pitch whereas Liverpool it's just the way they play they get it and immediately they're they're going back at the defense and in the best of times the defense is not set and they can find spaces that way but Madrid especially when they were up a goal every time Liverpool kept coming at them they were outnumbered Madrid was just not they weren't going to open up that space and like, and no one could be upset for them not to like, it doesn't make like, that is just, just pure game. The way you play a game, um, you, you expect the other team to, to try to hold on to the lead, especially in a final when it's like, what's, there's nothing else to lose. Really. So, I think, I think um, there is like an interesting point about the defense in this game. I, I feel like this game was won on errors. Like, I don't, I don't think that, honestly i don't think either team were overly outstanding um defensively but i do think this game was one in errors and if you think about the errors that real madrid had for example they they gave up one through ball this entire game we talked about all that space that opened up in the beginning of the first half those were (laughs) those are like players like tiago running into space okay and then what like (laughs) stopping like literally stopping against the wall of a back five and you saw for example like carvajal chasing down luis diaz that is not something i expected him like to do i just i suddenly just didn't as someone noted on another uh on some podcast i was listening to you know Car- carvajal kind of needed this game because he had kind of yeah. been the weakest link of that entire team in the in basically every other round it felt like in every round teams were just finding lots of space down his side. And that's where so many of the attacks were coming from against them. And Mbappe. Yeah. 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 And, um, and in this game, it feels like he, he kind of, he made up for it. Right. He, he, he pulled out the performance when they needed it. The, the, the good performance when they needed it the most. True. True. And, and I Sorry, think that, no, I think my, my only point there was going to be like defensively, I thought Real Madrid while they did give up a lot of space in front of the back line, they, they did close down the spaces around the 18 very well, error-free. You look back at Liverpool, how many times was Trent caught out against Vinicius? I can think of at least three immediately. Obviously, one of them being the goal. Um, and I can also think of a couple of times that, honestly, Van Dyke probably should have done better in terms of, at least being able to prevent um, certain blocked shots as well as probably making the right tackles. Again, the goal being a really weird one. Like, I don't really know how he was defending. <laughs> right, I, so I think on the goal, I, I was rewatching the highlights yesterday. I will not put too much on him on that because you watch it and before Valverde, I, we're calling this a shot. I, I just don't believe that was a cross, but before Valverde takes his shot, Carvajal is overlapping. So Van Dyke sees that, starts moving to where Carvajal is. And that's where you get like that weird position that he's in, where he's like stretching his leg back while also like kind of leaning forward to catch Carvajal. Um, and that's what creates the space for um, the ball to actually make it through Van Dyke and, and get to the uh, back post where, where Vinicius scores. Um, but, but I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I also think on the day Konate was fantastic. I thought Konate was really, really good. So did I. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's gotta be your, the biggest op, the point of optimism if you're a Liverpool fan from this, from this game that those two uh, Van Dyke and Konate if and when healthy are, are, are a brick wall, pretty much. We, like the athleticism, the size, everything about it, it's just that that's a really tough pair to score against. Um, but the, the, as for the rest of their defense, yeah, I, I kind of with you, like, Trent, he just fully doesn't, he doesn't see where Vinicius is when they're in the box. And, and, and that's, 
that is kind of thing you just have to take with him. But this is a playmaker playing at right back and, and, and he wouldn't be as effective as a playmaker in any other position, realistically, right? Right back allows him the space to play those wonderful passes, right? And he couldn't do that from any other position. And, and that's kind of the, the trade-off. That's the trade-off. And I, I mean, in this, that is kind of the, the nature of this game. You can't cover every, every single blade of grass. On the yeah, pitch. yeah. So, I guess that's the downside, right? Yeah. So, and, and this is what you have to live with, with, with Trent, like at times, this is what's going to happen. He's going to kind of fall asleep. We saw the same thing against Villarreal, right? For um, especially in that second leg, but that, I can't remember whose goal it was. If Chukwueze or or Coughlin's goal that has had a goal where Trent just didn't react quick enough from a very similar area in the box where he's like far post and and um, has to like almost cover for the center back. There, it's this is what you have to live with. And this is a this will be a, a huge question for. Yeah, Southgate in the in the World Cup as, as we get close to the end of the year. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I I think Liverpool will be disappointed that they were the team to make them the mistake. Um at the same time, as I also noted on Saturday, I think we've watched the same Real Madrid game for like seven to eight games. <laughs> like in, in a rows. Like row, seven yeah. in a row. Uh yeah. where the other team makes a mistake and Real Madrid just pounce on it, which kind of leads me to one of the stats from from this from this Champions League season. Now, in terms of opponent errors that led to shots, Liverpool led this season in terms of um, forcing opponents into errors uh, that lead to a shot. They had ten in the competition. Eight of those came in the group stage. <laughs> Only two of them came in the knockouts. Now for Real Madrid, they I believe were were second in that stat. They had eight, but six of them came in the knockout stages. Only two were in the group stages. So this team, they a, a couple of them we have to obviously credit to. I think Benzema, where we're thinking about. The one against the mistake against Don, or uh, that Donnarumma kind of just passed, just got completely hurried by Benzema, and then yeah, it's all the same thing against Chelsea in the first leg, where Mendy and um and Rudiger just just kind of get lost. Wait, can I can I ask you something? And yeah. I don't know if this is true. Are those two in the knockout stages for Liverpool only against Villarreal? Yes. Okay. Just. Yeah. I mean, I thought so. <laughs> So it was it was one game. It wasn't even like one game one team. It was literally just yeah. a span of twenty minutes. Okay. Yeah, and, and there's Real Madrid. I think had had one in in every round, not in every game in the knockout stages, but in every round they they had um, an opponent error that led to a shot. So you like we said, you need luck in this competition. And, and granted, Real Madrid, like I said, made their luck in a couple of those on a couple of those um, uh, instances. But no team in the world has ever ridden the luck to Champions League titles more than the Real Madrid. <laughs> oh, I know. It's... Oh, I know it all too well. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> like this. I mean, but this is what I was saying earlier, right? About like Liverpool, for example. What if they had like not won two penalty shootouts to win those cup finals, and somehow scored one of their multitude of chances in this game yeah. to win? like to win the champions league how do we then view it because that to me like the real difference there is luck <laughs> is like coming yeah. up against courtois or not like that is you yeah. can't control that um and we can write again revisionist history all day but there is absolutely an element of luck i i think that's a super valid point yeah and it and i also like to think that this stuff balances itself out it's, i mean over the it, course it of a literally season. does if you think about it two out of four finals liverpool won. yeah so, yes. and, and two of them like you said penalty shootouts which so we've talked about before the biggest crap shoot that probably exists in sports in like in any sport yeah <laughs> between that and winning the coin toss before an overtime game <laughs> in an nfl like those are that like you win that then you win then you basically won the, the uh nfl game too like you win the basically coin toss. Like, like the same thing um but 
yeah, Liverpool just on, I think, I think unlucky to come up against. I don't know. I mean, we can't really argue that Courtois isn't the best in pure shot stopper goalkeeper in the, in the world right now. I think it would have been between him and Jan Oblak, but this is a pretty dire season from Jan Oblak. <laughs> so I don't think he can claim that right now. Yeah, um, unfortunately. And, and that, that was the difference. He, he was the best, he was the best goalkeeper um, shot stopper in the world this season. Um, fi- final thing on this. Elias, I, as you explained, Liverpool winning those two cups, and they were two domestic cups, um, losing out on the Premier League on the final day, losing out to, as we said, a world-class performance from Courtois today, or um, on uh, Saturday. It, it's going to cause a lot of people to call this season something of a failure for Liverpool, right? And, and, and I do sympathize with that to an extent they 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 really failed to win like this was a game where they failed to win where you expected them where, where they were the better team I should say not necessarily expected them to win but they were the better team and have real disappointment towards it but I'm curious your thoughts in terms of what at the end of the day what does this season look like for Liverpool like how how do they measure it in terms of success? Uh, you know, being putting up once again, 90 points in the league and losing out by a point yeah. again. And, and like I said, winning the other two cups and making to a champions league final. How, so how let me, let me, put let me put it to you this way. If they had scored one goal in this final in the champions league final and won the champions league final, this probably would have been considered one of their best seasons in history. Right. Undoubtedly. I mean, a treble of some sort, three, trophies in one year like you I, I don't think any any team in the world would complain about that maybe city would because city but beyond that this has to be absolutely viewed as one of their best seasons in recent memory i mean i guess you have to be some sort of purist to say i'd rather just win one trophy the champions league or just the premier league for example like they did a couple of years ago and be happy with that. Like, sure. But two trophies is still a good season. Um, it may not have been their best in terms of like recency bias because they lost the Champions League final and they lost the Premier League within the span of a week. So I feel like we're dealing with this hangover of loss more than, you know, two base like cup final wins. But I, like I ask you the question, like what if they lost the Champions League final, lost the Premier League, and then won two Cup finals? Everyone would be sitting here they're saying, "Oh, you know what? Season wasn't so bad." There's a reason why they went out and celebrated in the streets the day after losing the Champions League final because they deserved it because it was a very good season. And without a doubt, I think <laughs> I think this team does need more praise for as close they seem to be in finals specifically, and maybe not getting over the line that in and of itself is still an, an accomplishment. Before I kind of come at you with some, with some stats from how good this Liverpool season was, um, this is going to sound probably very controversial. And, and, uh, and I, you know, I don't really veer for that stuff as much, but watching Chelsea win the Champions League title last season after the season, like when you put that whole season into um, perspective, like how I actually felt watching them a lot of last season and um, and then obviously winning the Champions League at the end versus the consistent great performances that Liverpool put up this season and and the consistent joy that i'm sure they brought to their fans like the entire season granted okay up until the end here i don't think any of their fans could be really that upset about missing out on the league to city by one point right they put up 92 themselves (laughs) um i end of the day probably would have been happier with the season that liverpool just put up versus you know Chelsea, granted, playing well in the Champions League last season, but winning the Champions League 
after playing pretty poor for most of the season and rescuing it the last four months with, with Tuchel came in. Um, and that's going to sound weird, but I just think that the way that some people are kind of looking at this Liverpool season just kind of really underpins that saying that like history is fully is written by the victors at the end True. of the day. True. History is written by, by whoever wins. It doesn't matter if it's sports. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's culturally, colonially, in the, in the his past history. It's written by whoever wins. And so it's a real shame that some people are going to look back on this season and say that it was not that great of a season for them because they only won two trophies and they did not win the league and context is going to be thrown out of that and they didn't win the champions league final context will surely be thrown out of that one too um but i think we just have to acknowledge that they did put up one of the best seasons uh that in terms of overall performance consistency as well put up one of the best seasons in the last probably 10 years for for any single club for any single squad of players realistically right in terms of expected goal difference per 90 they were third in, ter- in, in terms of any club in the top five leagues in terms of shot disparity they were second in shots with 19 and only gave up about eight shots a game and they were second in that ranking as well you compare that just comparing to real madrid they were fifth in terms of shots, but 33rd in terms of shots allowed in, in the league um, per game. And then we go over to how they performed in the Champions League as well. They were still otherworldly in the Champions League. Um, they were, I have in my notes here, they're third, but they were actually second, I'm realizing. Uh, but second in terms of expected goal difference per 90. And then looking at shot disparity again, they were second in terms of shots per game and first in terms of shots allowed. Real Madrid, on average, were outshot in every game this season, the Champions League, which, again... They were very I, rarely if, the best team. Yeah, if that doesn't describe <laughs> just Real Madrid, this like the, the, the magic, the black magic, as you like to call it, of Real Madrid this season, if that doesn't explain, I don't know what does. Um, they were 24th in terms of shots allowed in the Champions League this season. 24th out of what was it, like 32 teams or something like that. Yeah. So I, I just think that um, if people want to look back on the season and say that Liverpool failed, that is fully their prerogative. But I would guarantee you that 99.9% of fans of other clubs would have given their right arm for a season this good and a season that brought a, as much joy as I'm sure this season did for Liverpool fans. Oh, 100%. The, here's the only thing that I would say that I think like any Liverpool fan maybe could say, okay, this is where we did not achieve or overachieve. They did not beat any other top four team in England in the Premier League this season. That's the only area where you could say if they had won one of those games. Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Know? Honestly. Yeah. So. That would be that would be my only big thing because I think that does translate to this idea of winning against quote unquote big teams. Um, if you consistently cannot do that, then maybe that that does come up as an issue in the Champions League. But again, they made the Champions League final, so to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. Boy. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, Elias. I think yeah. the only the only other thing to mention um, since we last recorded was that Roma and Jose Mourinho winning the uh <laughs> winning conference Europa League. Co- the first conference league Woo! uh I'll just say hats off to to former Chelsea guy um uh Tammy Abraham for, I thought, for some about. reason I was thinking like he's gonna say Tammy but there's a part of me that was like mm-hmm. is he gonna say Mourinho just because <laughs> no 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 yeah, okay no, we don't need to do all that <laughs> 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 no but between Tammy winning that and Kyle Tamori winning uh, Serie A with, Serie a, with, uh, yeah. with AC Milan. Lovely, lovely to see the boys come out on top. But um, yeah, o- overall, Europa Conference League, I think, is exactly what 
it should be or it gives those teams like Roma well not necessarily Roma Roma's historically too big of a club honestly to to be playing around in the conference league but when you look at like Feyenoord you look at Leicester City that played in the in the uh, semifinals you're gonna like teams that will never really have a chance to play in a Champions League final for being realistic and 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 you know really not really have a chance to play in a um Champions League semifinal for the most case this is a great competition for them and I think that's kind of the I don't know if that's what you, what UEFA would have hoped from this. I mean, it's just more money for them, but <laughs> but I think from a fan perspective, I think it's been it was a successful first season for the conference league. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap up. Um there will be more content coming throughout the summer um as we go through many many different uh I guess transfer stories. We have the women's uh, Euros, I believe. Yes, right? And we've got that in a month, in July. In a month, yeah. yep. Um, and then we probably have the league starting early this yeah. summer. Like, I, like I, totally. don't, I don't think it's all confirmed because of the World Cup. Likely seeing an early August start for some of these leagues. So we will still be pumping out content every week. I've been using these weird sexual innuendo phrases this podcast. <laughs> I need to, like, stop. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to stop talking at this point. So, all right, we'll talk to you guys. (laughs) Thanks, guys.